communication is others centric. It's not about mm. let me have a soapbox to tell you what's happening in my life. Yes. Not that at all. It's inviting the other person into your life so that they could benefit from you. True communication is very unselfish. Mm. Welcome to It's Not About the Money, a podcast in search of grounded fundraising. I'm Heather, and together with my co-host, Andy, we look beyond the quick tips and formulas. Join us as we explore the nuance and complexity of ministry fundraising. If you want to thrive in partner development, not just survive it, this is the place for you. All right, welcome back to the show. There are a lot of reasons for donors to stop giving. But a prime reason is that they feel a lack of communication from their field partner. Like any relationship, communication is critical. So it's easy to see why a donor could feel used or even slighted if they're experiencing the silent treatment. So why don't we communicate more or better? Or is there a chance we are trying to communicate, but the message just isn't being received? How can we take the mystery out of communication? How can we know that what we are producing has the best chance of being read or being viewed? Those are great questions, Andy, and it is my pleasure to introduce our guest for the day to help us get those answered. Barb Peel received her Master of Arts in Christian Education from Dallas Theological Seminary, and she has worked for three decades within the ministry context in education, writing, Christian radio, and in ministries that make a global impact for Christ. She spent 10 years with Insight for Living Ministries, 10 years with Walk in the Word, and she has spent the past 10 years and still works with Through the Bible. In addition to that, she is also an author, which we will provide a link to her book, One-on-One, 100 Days with Jesus. We'll provide that in our show notes. And she's also currently writing for the He Gets Us campaign. Barb has also worked with Pursuant, which is a fundraising agency out of Texas. And in general, Barb just brings a wealth of experience to this conversation. Real treat. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Barb. Oh, it's my pleasure. So let's let's start from the beginning. Tell us a story. What brought you to (laughs) this point in your life? How does one get to where you are right now? Did you feel that there was a sense of calling from the beginning? You know, if there's a metaphor that I would use for where I am today, it would be I have been a leaf on a river. Mm. Hmm. Um, you know, we we all think when we when we're young, we think, oh, I'd like to do this someday, or I'd like to do this. Well, the things that I've gotten to do, I never would have imagined that I would have been invited into, and yet, like a leaf is driven by a river downstream. It's a beautiful picture of letting God lead your life and the adventures that the unexpected adventures that you Mm. encounter. Mm -hmm. That's a really great metaphor. Are there any kind of key events that you feel happened in life that either gave you um, a real excitement about writing or that positioned you to, to write for an audience as opposed to just for yourself? It's a good question, Heather. The, um, the funny word is, you know, the word story is such a um, mm. touchstone word today. People love the idea of story. And uh, I remember as a little girl, 
my parents had first come to Christ right before I was born. And so we were in church every time the doors were open. And I have a very vivid memory. One of my very first memories is standing on a pew, belting out the hymn, I love to tell the story. <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, you know, I, if you know that hymn, it's, it's, I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Mm. And that's been um, a theme of my life of how, how do we tell the story of Jesus and his love? Mm. You know, when you think about story, I've, I've been on the opposite side of a lot of people telling a story, which I wasn't really tracking with, like, what am I missing? I don't really get this mm. story. And, um, it, it, it does come down to communication. And, um, I, I think the word that I would put over my life more than a storyteller or more than a writer is I want to, I really would like my life to be characterized by communication mm. like, and what mm. makes good communication. And that is just the, just the definition of the word means that what I intend to share is what you are hearing. Mm-hmm. Like they match. Yeah. And so if, you know, you think about communication with your um, with your friends or with your family or your spouse, and you think they are hearing what I am saying, and that's when tr- true communication happens. Right. And the same thing happens when you go to communicate about some missional work that you're involved in. Is is are they hearing what I'm saying? Right. And if not, then you've got to figure it out. And you, you don't even have to overthink it. It's just the same like, how come my wife or my husband doesn't understand me? I'm saying this, mm-hmm. and they're hearing something different mm-hmm. than that. And so the same thing follows when you talk about your communication style, your public communication style. Mm. Are they, is it matching? Yeah, so let's let's start broad then. Why do you think consistent communication from the field is so difficult? That's part A. Part B, why do you think it's so important to donors? Well, I just don't think it's important. I think it's the it's essential. Yeah. It's the thing that keeps the relationship going. I don't and again, I wouldn't overthink it. Think about the things that break down your connection with people that you care about most you know is it time between you is it is it distance mm-hmm. between you you know you you talk with your coworker perhaps more than you talk with your grandparent sure you know and you know because that's another generation and it's another it probably is distance and it's probably time and all those things break down but then also, you know, think about the physical things that keep you apart, but then also think about misunderstanding. You know, we've all mm. got a dialogue going on in our head that characterizes our relationship. Right. And so, you know, there's a lot of room there for misunderstanding. Um, or, you know, sometimes it's a lack of focus. Mm. Um, I'm not intentionally mm. making time to communicate. You know, you, you both have wonderful marriages. If If you didn't take time to be with your spouse and say, okay, this time is for you. I'm focused on you right now. I want to hear from you. Then, you know, you have a lot of gaps and a lot of opportunities for misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And then I would add to that also a lack of gratitude. Mm. 
like when when I'm not grateful for the relationship when I with somebody, my communication breaks down. Yeah, maybe there's a sense of entitlement. We've talked about entitlement before. Mm-hmm. Like, Lord, I'm doing this, mm-hmm. this, and this. Therefore, I deserve these kinds of funding or or whatever. Yeah, or I shouldn't have to work Boy, so that, hard. That yeah. is, I am I am so all over that. Um, that's like a cancer of communication right there. Mm, yeah. You know, that, 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 is, that is terminal. Mm. Like mm. you, you better correct that or else that is terminal. Um, there point. is no way because communication, I, I think you bring up a good point, Andy, the communication is others centric. It's not about mm. let me have a soapbox to tell you what's happening in my life. Yes. Not that at all. It's inviting the other person into your life so that they could benefit from you. True communication is very unselfish. Mm. Love that. Even though you might be wanting to share something from your heart to them, it's for their benefit. Yes. It's, I didn't even think about this before, but, but you're bringing a great point. Um, communication has to be others centric. Yeah. It can't be about what I, I'm going to communicate this with you because I want to benefit from you somehow, whether it's your prayer support or your financial support or your um, number on a mailing list or whatever. But, oh my goodness. Yeah. It feels like you entitled. You just, you just introduced a cancer into your, it, it feels like we, we trace so many obstacles and so many hurdles back to the uh, misplaced focus. And we keep trying to remind mm-hmm. people, it's not about you. This isn't, you're, you're not going over to this country because of what it's going to do for you and your career and your, whatever your prospects. And you have to shift your focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? It's a hard thing because, you know, at our hearts, we are selfish. We are, we do think of ourselves. And so if yeah. if you're feeling little tinges of guilt, um, it's okay. Yeah. You know, take it to Jesus and get rid of it. But but it's understandable, especially if you're giving up things and you you think that you're entitled to something else. It's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> but all you have to do is think of Jesus. Yeah. Who left Who left heaven? Yeah. For you, it's it's not even um, it's not even comparable. And the things that we are gaining from the sacrifice are not to be compared. And my goodness, don't give up the don't give up the uh, treasure that you're allotting yourself in heaven <laughs> for some for some self entitlement. Right. Mm, right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, man, I really love that. I love that it it emphasizes that this is a partnership. It is not just about getting the funding. It is about leaning into this partnership God has created for His good purposes, um, for mutual benefit, um, giving of yourself, you know, not communicating with an agenda, um, at least not your agenda, right? Communicating with God's agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a here's a practical way to remember that. Um, think about how you name your body of supporters. What do you call them? Yeah. If you call them donors or supporters, that's saying right there that it's all about me. Hmm. Yeah. But if you call them partners, if mm-hmm. you call them your ministry family, if you call them your team, then there's an there's an inclusion. 
then there's a sense that we have a shared vision of how we see God working in our relationship. And I might be the one to be, to be going, but they're the ones that have this same shared vision of what we want to accomplish there. Um, So I would say, yeah, words are really important because not only that, but they shape what you think about them. And it also shapes how they see themselves. Mm. Um, You know, are Mm. am I one of your donors? Well, you know, maybe I am and maybe I'm not, you know, or, but if, but if I see myself as on your team or if I see myself as your partner in ministry or your partner in impact or however, however you want to phrase it, if there's an inclusion, then you've already gotten over one huge hurdle. Um, right. I, I would say, ask, ask yourselves how they would answer in a sentence or two, why they support you. And hmm. whether they, whether that means they pray for you or if they, if they financially support you, would they be able to be equipped to summarize the missional value of what you're doing? Hmm. You know, if somebody says, um, you know, tell me something that you're excited about. And they say, Oh, well, I'm a part of a team that's going to Mongolia and taking God's word and God's um, love to Mongolia Really? How? Oh, I, my, this team that I'm on uh, begins in the classroom, you know, and whatever. Yeah. So can yeah. they Identify verbalize in a sentence or two what what you're doing together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Man, that's great. So our next question was, what are some of the common reasons that field communications may fall flat? And what I hear you saying is that one of one of the core kind of missteps from the very beginning is just kind of the way you view this team that the Lord has brought around you and then the way you view yourself in relation to that. I also heard you articulate that a common reason communication may fall flat is because you're communicating on your on behalf of your own considerations and not necessarily trying to speak mm. to informing or encouraging those on the receiving end. So I guess what, in addition to those elements that you've already brought forth, what are some other common reasons that those communications may fall flat. Mm, fizzle. Well, generally, I, I would picture a um, picture a bullseye with three circles. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those three circles, I would put on the outer circle, I would put what, what's happening, what's going on, what's my day like, what's my what. So the answer of what, and then the inner circle, the uh, middle ring would be how and then the center bullseye would be why Mm. i would say a lot of communication happens in that outer circle what yeah and you know to be honest that's not very compelling amen (laughs) um you know it's just not um i did this i did that i did this um and how i did it oh well i went here and then i went here and then i went there but the real, the real magic happens in the center when I say why. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Why am I here? Why is this hard? Why, why am I sensing God at work? How am I sensing God at work and why is this important? Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would begin to ask the question, why? 
Um, and again, why takes a little bit of a foundation. So you're building on why. Um, sure. But why will get you to what's important um, so much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of like you're beginning with the end in mind. You want your partners to be excited about what God is doing. You want your partners to be thrilled at supporting you um, in it on the ground, but but they have a sense of ownership over what you're doing. Mm. So if that's your goal, how can you begin to communicate with them? So how does that, that goal? How does that look practically? Uh, if I'm sitting down uh-huh. to write, a, a, let's say a, a newsletter, an update, uh-huh. um, yep. am I? So I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding talking about just a litany of, of what I did over the past couple of months. Is it a matter of just choosing a story that emphasizes the why? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that because, and, and I didn't know how it was going to come up, but um, I have a list of fundraising fails. Okay. So let me, let me start with that because then that'll lay the foundation for what you can do. Got Here's it. what you Good. shouldn't do. Uh, your communication, and I'll I'll start with new, a newsletter, but it could also include emails. It can also include posts. So fundraising fails. Not, my first one is it's not all about me. Yep. It's not all about me. It's about the vision that you share with your partner about why you're there. So every time you write, let's say a newsletter, make sure that that is answered somehow. Um. Maybe it's in a it's in the start as you pray for me this week, or as you bring this before the Father this week, or um, let's remember what we're about. Mm-hmm. You know, so it comes like even if you have to overtly state it um, every time, that's not overkill. Yeah, not overkill. Um, I, and I ha- then I have down some catchy things like it's um, fundraising fails. Don't be a banker. It's not all about the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, we agree. Cluster yep, bombs. You're here. Yep. Cluster bombs. Maybe you haven't communicated in a long time and then you send out like three cluster bombs of communication within a month. <laughs> I don't know why people aren't responding. Yeah. You know, here I am. I'm communicating. Yeah. Um, you also don't want to write the Christmas letter every month or every time. Mm. You know, like the Christmas letter of let's recap on oh, things sure, that sure, I sure. did. Right. You know, yeah. like, um, here's what I did on March 15th. Also, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to write the novel either. Like you want your people to be able to, to sit down and in 10 minutes, get what you're mm. talking about. Um, there's a phrase in writing that said, if I had more time, I would have written less. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, write what you can and then give it a rest and then go back and cut it in half. Yes. Don't write the itinerary either. We did this, and then we did this, and then we did this. <laughs> Here's the timeline. Yeah. Don't write a diary either. Hmm. A diary would be me processing stuff. You know, hmm. you're, you're just sure. bound to go into TMI really fast. Yeah. Don't write the gory details. That, that newsletter is not the place to write the gory details or, or to make fun of the culture. Oh, mm. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, look at this disgusting thing that I had to eat. Right. You know, that's that's not that's not funny and it's not it's not honoring. That's a um, great point. Yeah. And or in, in or don't be the judge. Like you're you're all of a sudden judging the other culture. 
Mm. That's no good. Right. So then I, then I have, okay, so how do we do it better? Yes. How do we do it better? All right. Tell us, Barb. Get your pencils out, listeners. (laughs) I would say do it first. Do this communication work. And it is work. It's Mm. not natural. Right. And it doesn't come easily. I just want to say that as a veteran communicator that I also sit down to a blank screen Mm. and think, what am I going to write about now? Yeah. Um, But it's a learned skill. I would say it is a learned skill. I I am a lifelong learner on how to write well. I'm taking, uh, I'm taking a online class right now. Awesome. Because it's a, it's like a slinky, you know, a slinky, if you stretch it out, you might hit some of the same things over and over and over again, but you're getting, you're getting deeper or higher, depending on which way you want to look at it. Okay. And so I would say, do it for yourself first. Like before you even try to communicate with your partner, with your team, uh-huh. I would say you have to be writing things down for yourself. Capture what's happening. Um, I, I'm a lifelong journal journaler. Mm. Um, but my journal isn't every day. Um, I, I'm not legalistic about my journaling, but I do have to be disciplined about it. I'm not legalistic, but I am disciplined. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, so I, I do um, I do what I call five sentence a five sentence journal mm. in that every night I try to pick one thing from today. Our conversation now will be my topic tonight when I go to write five lines about something important from today. And I'll talk about what does it take to communicate well. And I'll write five lines about it in my journal. Yeah. Five years from now, you won't remember what was important about this season that you're in. But if you write it down, you will. I dare say that you'll forget the faithfulness of God. Mm. if you don't write it down. And so make this part of your own curriculum to discipline yourself to write things down. That's good. So that would be number one. Uh, I would also say, ask questions. Ask questions all the time as you write things down. Things like, what's going on and why does that matter? Hmm. What's going on here and why does that matter? You know, like let's say something happened in a in an interaction that you had with somebody today. Why was that important? Um, think about your partner's questions. Yeah. Um, what have they asked you about? Um, I would keep a page in your journal of just questions that people have asked you. Hmm. Um, and then go when you're when you're facing a blank page. Just go look at those questions and see if anything is jogged. Hmm. You say journal bar, but people could walk around with just their cell phone and a notebook app. And as they have of ideas course. that come to them, they can just pop that open and have different categories and organize things that way. Any, yeah. any mechanism. Yeah. Any mechanism that works for you. I, I did a year where I captured a picture every day of what I thought was important. Yeah. I was with a group of teachers in another country where the teacher caught 10 seconds of video every day. Mm. And then they put it together in a, in a movie of the things that they thought were important about every day. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and that was, 
that was really creative and really, really fun. Insightful. And it ended up only being like three or four seconds from every day. Okay. But you put that together and, you know, you have, you know, a, a 10 minute video that captures the whole school year. Wow. That takes a lot and of discipline. Just, Although it did. It did. there is an app called, I think one second every day oh, that will kind of generate that for <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Of course there is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, in fact, I think that's what they use. Oh, cool. Okay. I think they use one second. Uh huh. Because you, you capture a more than one second, but, but you can edit it. Down. Before we go any further, I say, you know, you want to stay balanced so that you're hopeful and you're visionary and you're also vulnerable mm. and hardworking. And, you know, you're you are a composite of all of that at any given moment. And so reflecting that to your team, to your partners is is good. Yeah. Um, OK, so on a practical note. Very practical note. I build a structure. Um, I do a newsletter uh, for through the Bible every month. Okay. And I have, I have uh, 12 pages that I need to fill every month. And so I headline every page and it stays consistent month to month. Wow. We have a Bible article, Bible application article. We have a notes from the field. We have a, why should I study this certain book? We have a personal focus. Um, and so I would say, think about what categories you could structure hmm. and then say, okay, I need, I need something for every category. What am I going to do with uh, from the classroom mm-hmm. or overheard mm-hmm. or God notes? Or something, you know, along that line. You get what I mean? Yeah. Like you're something yeah. missional or something cultural or uh, frequently asked questions or a, a picture with a, an extended caption yeah. or something specific to pray about or something related to your gratitude for them. Um, and then and then every month you start plugging in your stories for each of those categories. Hmm. Um, it really makes a big difference. Um, Simplifies it. Yeah. And, and what, what you'll find is that your brain will start to look for those things. It provides a continuity. I remember when I was on the field, there was a a woman that sold potatoes, like these amazing spicy (laughs) fried potatoes. Oh man! And it was a, a standard part of my correspondence with people to talk about my chats with the potato lady or the, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, they looked forward to that. And people will begin to pray for that lady. You yes, know? yes. They'll pray for the students that you reference in your stories. They'll they'll ask you about them. Like you, you're giving tangible things for your partners to mm. um, to feel connected. If they feel connected, they're going to stay. Mm. That's true. If they feel connected. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's and so um, I have I have six B's here. Six be smart. When, what you're writing about, be smart. Don't dummy it down. Hmm. People will say, yeah. put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Well, yes, in the way that you present it, but no, in what you say, you can be smart. So uh, how does that, how does that work? I mean, if you, do you present it with simple words and, but you have big ideas? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. The, 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Andy. That means that you have the responsibility to communicate it well so that your partner hears what's important behind it. Mm -hmm. So be smart. Be warm. Mm -hmm. Like you went, you are making this decision out of love. You love people that you're serving. You love your partner. You love the Lord. Let that warmth be seen. Saturate. Um, mm-hmm. And be real too. If if you're having a hard month, there's a space in that newsletter to say, I'm having a hard month. Yeah. Um don't don't um don't gloss over it, but then also don't camp on it. Right. Don't give um, the gory details like you said earlier. Right, right. But but be real. Yeah. Be authentic. Um, yeah, just say um, we're having a hard time adjusting to some cultural things this month. Mm-hmm. Please, please remember us. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that's all that needs to be said. Um, okay. Be connected would be my next thing. Like, like what you're communicating has to feel connected to your partner. Like you're not just saying it for the sake of saying it, you're saying it to get somewhere. Hmm. Like, where are you going with this story? Mm -hmm. Too often times I remember reading a lot of newsletters where they would talk about, you know, this was something that came up in the classroom and that's where they left it. They didn't say, so what? So what? Why did you tell me this? Yeah. You know, just (laughs) like, just like, you know, you're meeting somebody for dinner and, and I'm going to tell you about my day and I tell you something and they're like, okay. Yeah. And then I would say my last B is um, be, be grateful. Mm. Be grateful for the opportunity that you're having. Be grateful for them or their partnership with you. Be grateful to God for these insights that, that you're gaining that you wouldn't have gained any other time. Um, I think it goes without saying that your levels of communication should match the level of intimacy that you have with your folks. Mm. Um, So you're not going to overshare with a general audience, but you also don't want to be shallow with your closest audience. Right. And so there might be some communications that are segmented. Like you might have a prayer team of 10 people. And they know that they're one of 10. So by golly, they better be praying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And so you're going to talk to them a little differently than you would your general audience. Yeah. That's good. Um, You know, a a case in point might be you mentioned in your newsletter that this has been a hard month with some cultural struggles. Well, in your email to your prayer team that month, Mm -hmm. you're going to elaborate on that. Yeah. So I think, uh, where do you get your ideas from? Uh, I think in short, you pay attention, hmm. you observe, you, you listen, hmm. you pray about things, you discipline yourself to write it down. Um, and you, and you practice the art and it is an art and a discipline of paying attention. Yeah. Um, I wrote down here in my notes that when I'm working on a project, I ask as a writer, I ask God to put in front of me what I need to consider, Hmm. what I need to research, what do I need to include? 
And that's why I write it down because I've lost so many precious things that I haven't write it, written it down. So writing it down yeah. and paying attention um, is a discipline. It might be as simple as looking twice at somebody hmm. and things that you might have just ignored, but now you're paying attention to it. To be a good communicator is a different way of life. Hmm. Is an extra layer of intentionality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll say, I'll say that again. To be a good communicator is a different way of life. Yeah. It's full of so much treasure if you're willing to pay attention to it. Mm. Um, I I think it's a spiritual discipline um, where I give God access to me and um, I say, I am paying attention. I, you know, just like, just like uh, there's a Psalm and I can't think of the reference where it says, enlarge my heart and I will run to obey. Mm. If, if you show me something, I will write it down and I will Mm. use it. Um, You need a different set of antenna. It's true. You do. And I find if I'm struggling with writing something, I review my notes like crazy before I go to bed Hmm. and I pray about it and then I go to sleep and in the morning, nine times out of 10, I will have the answer. Hmm. And so there's something (laughs) that goes on in our sleep where the Lord talks to us and, and I won't get weird about it. I'll just say (laughs) that the dreaming mind is active. Interesting. Hmm. There's a little hack for you. It is. And it's, um, it works. And that's the crazy thing is it works. Like rather than stay up and try to muscle through writing something, I will outline it. I will pray about it. I will brainstorm. I will do all of the hard work that you're supposed to do. And then I will just go to bed and say, Hmm. Lord, I trust you that you'll give me the answer in the morning. So another, another little hack is um, make your first line of anything that you write, make it really poignant and short. Chuck Swindoll, I worked with with Chuck for for many years, and every first sentence of his sermons are 14 words or less. Hmm. Oh, nice. Interesting. You can test it. Go go read any of his books. The first line of every chapter of any any chapter, any sermon is 14 lines or less. And that just speaks to, we, we need a good hook. Uh-huh. And he works hard on that 14-word line. Yeah. Interesting. So in my, in my devotional one-on-one with Jesus, I tried that as a, as a personal writing challenge. Ooh, every yeah. sentence, every first sentence has to be 14 words or less. Interesting. It has to be interesting. That first line has to be interesting. Yes. I'll be interested to see that, as I read books, how many other people have kind of adopted something like that. Yeah. They, it might not be exactly the same, but it, but it has some kind of pattern to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, man, I am just, I'm just kind of flooded with excitement over these very practical tips you've given, as well as kind of the overarching principles to think about when communicating with people. And I guess, you know, 
you said that to be a good communicator is kind of a different way of living. And I think that makes a lot of sense, especially as we are thinking about really being more mindful of what's happening around you, being disciplined to record that, not just sitting down to produce some kind of communication, but really curating a communication with a variety of things in mind. But I guess there's part of me that's thinking, you know, our listener might be thinking that makes sense and I'm kind of overwhelmed. So what are some initial steps to just help me tell a better story as I'm working on developing this Mm. kind of discipline of being more mindful? I'd say begin, uh, those are great questions, Heather. I appreciate, I appreciate that. I'd say begin with what do you want to, what do you want to communicate? And it doesn't get into the communication. That's just, that's just your a headline to keep your mind sharp mm-hmm. on what is it that you want to communicate. You know, I want to communicate that sacrificing this is worth this. Mm-hmm. Think, of a, think of a theme um, that we would call it. Yeah, pick a theme. theme. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pick that and everything has to relate back to that theme mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in the editing role, you can you can cut whatever doesn't fit. I'm a ruthless uh, editor of my work, but I don't throw it away. I always keep a little dump file at the bottom of the document. Hmm. And whatever I cut, I put down there. And it makes it easier to cut. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm not throwing it away. (laughs) It's just not working there. You're not saying goodbye. Yeah. You're just saying see you later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, Because we get attached to an idea or a story or yeah. a point where, where it may not relate, you know, yeah. it might be a rabbit trail, but uh, that rabbit trail will be useful for something else. So l- l- you've given us some great tips. What, if you're evaluating uh, things that have happened over the past month and you're, if you're trying to write a newsletter, for example, what, what lens do you, do you use? Do you equip to ask yourself, is this a, actually a good story to tell? What does it say about Jesus? What does it say about the mission? Mm. I would use that. I would go back to the begin with the end in mind. What you are trying to do is say thank you for supporting me in this mission that we're on together. Yeah. And so use that as your evaluation yeah. of whether it stays or goes. Yeah. How does it further the mission? Yeah. Them being attached to the mission. Yeah. And and I should say we're we're kind of picking on a newsletter as a format right now, but there are many formats to communicate. Yes. There yes. are many means through which to communicate. So you're going to spend more time and more intent on crafting a beautiful newsletter, whereas you might be more um, personal and and immediate with social media. Yeah, actually, I would love to hear, what do you think is the tension you hold when working on something that you are going to put on a platform like that that's, uh, I mean, still needs to be curated, but maybe isn't as themed or maybe Mm. has a different value behind the point of communication? Mm -hmm. I would would say, again, I would build a structure Mm. to say, is this meant to be fun? Is this meant to be poignant? Is Mm. this meant to be interesting? And, and say, does it fit in any of those buckets? Mm. Yeah, I think it does. Okay, post it then. Yeah. What mm. are my values? Yeah, established? Um, what are my values? And boundaries, in and, a way. Yeah, that's good. So, okay, what if you've been on the field for 
I mean, years and years and years, and you just feel like you've run out of things to say, which I guess kind of hearkening back to earlier points of this, Mm. of this chat, you know, God is always doing something. So just pay attention to what he's doing. Mm. Uh, But let's, let's just say that people feel stuck. How would you counsel them? Yes. Well, I, I just learned something and that this is one week old. I was working on a campaign that is trying to reach the skeptic with the good news of Jesus. And I'm struggling. I'm sitting there saying, what do I talk about that I haven't talked about already? And I'm dinking around, looking through my notes, looking through. And I came across a conversation that I had with somebody and I wrote it down about a book called Generations. Hmm. And the book is by Neil Howe, and it's on Amazon. Okay. And it's a pretty secular, pretty academic read. Um, but here it is in a nutshell. In a nutshell, the premise of this book is generations repeat themselves every four years. Oh. And they are drawing out evidence of this cultural pattern for hundreds of years. Um, and every generation has a different question. Well, specifically, when it comes to spiritual things, every generation sees it through a different lens. Hmm. And so, so if I was on the field struggling with what to write about, I would begin by thinking, okay, my audience is made up of, let's say, three generations. Um, and in this book, they specifically talk about um, the, the, the names that we are familiar with. Um, number one are boomers. And they are people born from 1943 to 1960. Mm-hmm. And their question that they want asked, they want answered in spiritual realms all the time is what is true. Mm. And they seek absolute truth, mm. which is why people born in that generation were really strong on C.S. Lewis. Who, who was an sure. apologetic? Who right. was an apologist? You can think of probably probably an, any number of other apologetic yeah. folks. Uh, Lee Strobel, um, uh, Josh McDowell, yeah, um, R.C. Sproul, and yeah. R.C. Sproul. Yeah. yeah. If you tell me what is absolutely true, I will bend my whole life around that. Mm. If it's true, then it's worth believing. Yeah. And you have people reading your newsletter in that audience. Mm, yeah, okay. for sure. And then you have people that were born between 1961 and 1981. And we are the Xers. Yes. Generation Xers. And they ask not what is true, but they ask what is real. Hmm. And does it work for me? Hmm. It's very relativistic. Okay. They're very, we're very sensitive to hypocrisy. Yeah. Even the best argument sometimes smells false. We won't listen. Xers don't even want to argue with something they don't trust. Okay? okay. So think about the people in your audience that are dealing with what is real. Then you have people that were born between 1982 and 2002, and they're the millennials. 
Yep. And they want to get something good done. Community in itself is an end. Hmm. They're used to being on teams. They're used to working it out. And if the gospel can't speak to what's going on in the world, then they don't want it. Hmm. And their question is, what is good? Hmm. What's good for me? What's good for the group? What's good for the earth? What's good for Hmm. um, our country? They want to know what's good. And so while our grandparents and parents might care about what's true, what the Xers think about what is relative relative to me, what is, does it work for me? Mm-hmm. The millennials will say what is good. And then the last group that's born after 2003, what is beautiful? Hmm. Or a corollary, they might ask what is just. Hmm. And they will start to repeat our parents' generation born before uh, 1942. So the next so group those, will say, the next group will say, is it true? Yep. Hmm. Yep. And then, so the, this author characterized every generation by, he called them the boomers. He called the hero generation hmm. because oftentimes there's been a huge calamity that sure. has prompted and it's repeating through hundreds of years of history. It's so crazy um, that that group rises up after a calamity and they become a hero generation. Interesting. And then the yeah. experts, the children of those heroes will become nomads. And then the millennialists are essentially narcissists. <laughs> and then the Heather's Gen a millennial. Ex- mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, they, they're only thinking of the, their community themselves. Okay. And then the generation X or Y, whichever, are artists. Hmm. Um, they're also called the silent generation. Oh, interesting. Um, so, so I would say to the person who is struggling with what does my audience need to hear, I'd run it through this grid. Hmm. Yeah. A okay, what's true? What here is evidence of God at work and what is true about that? Or what is, what is real as in relative to it works, it works in real life. This is, this is happening. And, or what is good about this? What is the gospel speaking to? And then finally, what is beautiful? And I had a big tears in my eyes as I was reading this, and I thought, oh, my goodness, it's Philippians 4, 8. Mm. Whatever things are good, whatever things are true, whatever things are beautiful, think on these things. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, the gospel embodies all of those. There's no no tension with the gospel. Yeah. Which is why God is like the ultimate communicator. (laughs) Mm, yeah (laughs) right yeah because the bible doesn't go through these cycles people see different things in the bible for these cycles Mm. the The lenses yeah Yeah, totally that is really cool okay so that that actually prompts another question because i i can imagine that there are so many ways to speak so profoundly into each of these but what would you say for a person working in a creative access country that 
that has to be not unclear in their terminology, but has to um, be creative. Be cr- be, yeah, yeah, be creative. What advice would you have maybe for you them? Pick, maybe you pick up on these four words. Hmm. These four words are very all moral. That's true. What's yeah. true, what's real, what's good, and what's beautiful. Yeah. And just. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that's good. And so you talk about, you know, at another point, you've explained to your audience that you're not going to be able to spell some things out. But let me tell you, let me tell you about things that are true and real and good and beautiful. And then I will follow up with you with stories from Mm -hmm. this. And Mm -hmm. all you have to say at the front is, let me tell you a beautiful story. Mm. Or let me tell you how this has become real to me. Mm. Or let me tell you something good. Or let me tell you something true Mm -hmm. about this. And, you know, there's no offense there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, true. Right. Yeah. Well, Barb, thank you so much. And as we kind of wrap up, uh, just a couple more questions. Sure. Um, getting pra- really practical here. Do you think it makes sense to sort of develop calendar for your communication? Or does that seem to, like, like we're forcing it too much as it stifle it, our creativity? Or, or should we just write when we have something interesting to say? Think about your audience. I was going to use the example of like a television series. Mm-hmm. You know that every Thursday night you're going to watch such and such on TV. Mm-hmm. But now the new the new uh, frame is, no, you're going to binge watch it on the weekend. <laughs> I, so my, my metaphor kind of fell apart there. Yeah. But I would say... Uh, you cannot you cannot let your creativity guide your communication. Hmm. That would be silly. That's like put that over your marriage. Would that work? Sure. No. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't work to say whenever I feel like it, I'm going to tell her that I love her. Right. No, you have to be intentional about. Okay, Date I'm night. going to show her this way and this way and this way, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it consistently. Mm-hmm. So I am all about building a structure. Um, building a structure and, and disciplining yourself to that structure, you're never going to feel like writing. Can I tell you that? (laughs) (laughs) Says the writer. Yeah. As a writer, you can't wait until you feel like writing. Yeah. Because you never will. Right. You'll, and you'll have this guilt, uh, cloud over you all the time. And so I would say, Give yourself a, a schedule that you can maintain. And I'm not saying it's every month, but I'm saying it's it's frequent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're expecting it. Put the relationship, a normal relationship, how would you go about it? You know, you don't go six months without saying hi to a friend and then expect them to pay for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, no, no, you keep that relationship alive. Yeah. Don't, it, don't. Might, it might be casual two or three times and then all of a sudden something really meaningful. Yeah, because going back to something you said earlier in the conversation that I believe is very true is that uh, connection is so key, that feeling connected to the work is yeah. so key. Yeah. What I heard yeah. you say is don't wait for inspiration. No, no, yeah. it comes. It comes when you're... I I call it BIC days. 
button chair. (laughs) Put your butt in in a chair and write it, you know, and that's, and you make it easier for yourself. If you, if you practice that discipline of journaling and taking good notes, then it's, it's, yeah. 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 Because if you've, if you've created a structure or a plan, if you've kind of thought through the categories or maybe the themes that you want to explore on an ongoing basis, if you've put the work into doing that, Mm -hmm. then you're going to start noticing those things. Then you're going to have time that you've set aside to sit down and try to curate that. So yeah, it's, Mm. it's kind of like a discipline that builds on itself in a really good way. Mm. In a good way, yeah. yeah. And you know what? Those are the newsletters that I want to read. Yeah. If yeah. there's that kind of thought put into it, yeah. I can't wait to open the envelope yeah. to read about those. Sometimes yeah. I don't even get into my front door. I will see a newsletter <laughs> that's come and I will sit on my porch because I couldn't wait Ooh. to read it. Other newsletters, I, they've kind of sat in the mail tray because I know what's in it mm. and it's not good. Mm. Yeah care about them so i'm not going to throw it out right but that's but, the difference between yeah. paper and an email too it's easy it's easy to forget about an email that you've scrolled past harder yeah. harder to forget a, a paper letter yeah yeah well i i want to i like the analogy that you brought up about uh comparing your 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 donor your partner relationship to like a marriage relationship and just like yeah. you need to put the intentionality the forethought uh, into it. And it, it makes me think of just like there are different love languages uh, for different yep. people. Uh, you have a different um, love language for those generations as well. Yes, exactly. So thinking, I didn't even think about that, Andy. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> That's a freebie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is because um, uh, I was just talking with somebody the other day and, and, and their conclusion was, well, if you tell me that that's true, then I'm all I'm all over it. And I thought, yep, you're over sixty. Mm. <laughs> you know, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, that fits that category because that person is over sixty. Yeah. So, but it's not necessarily now truth doesn't mean that something beautiful can't be true. Sure. They're not exclusive. Just means yeah. the angle that you're placing it. Right. Right. Yeah. Because of course, that word is true all the way. But some of it is very beautiful. And maybe that's where a gifted Dude. communicator can take what the same story and bring out the different facets. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. That's exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. So I'm curious, Barb, you know, no matter what generation people are from, I'm I'm wondering if you would apply these same, I guess we'll call them love languages. <laughs> if you would apply these sure. same languages to the way that you communicate need or maybe even before that question, I would ask how often do you feel that people should expressly ask for funds in a written communication? Is that appropriate? Your question is very pertinent to me in my work with Through the Bible because Mm. we make a point of not asking. Mm. And so my challenge is to say, how do I put in front of people the fact that we are listener supported without asking? Yeah. Yeah. Without doing a pledge drive. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't do any of that, none of it. Wow. And we have surpluses upon surplus. So I would say this is where <laughs> your partnership talk has to become real. Mm. And you talk with your donor about 
you are in partnership with me in seeing lives changed. Thank you. And I would couch it always with gratitude. I would ask every single time, Mm. but I would couch it differently. Yeah. I would put it in terms of gratitude. So it's not a direct ask. Yeah. This is an, this is evidence of your partnership of how God is using your partnership in Asia. Mm. And all of a sudden now they're thinking, what do you mean my partnership? Oh, because I give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thank you for thank you for investing your life and your treasure in yeah. something that's going to outlive all of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you're you're catching it in gratitude language and, and in partnership language. And then and then whenever you have a need, I would say don't save it for December and June. Mm. Don't save your asks for those days because because that's contrived. That's man-made. Right. Okay. When you have a need, you let them know. Because think of it. Think about again your your partnership with your friends. I needed I needed a ride to the airport the other day and something happened and my plans fell through and so I have a friend who lives nearby and I said, "I hate to bother you, but I really need a ride to the airport. Can can you take me?" Absolutely. Yeah. When do you need to leave? Now, sure, let's go. Yeah, you know, and and she was pleased to do it, and I was grateful for the help. And so you let people know when you have a need. Yeah, yeah, and I I just want to speak to what you were saying just prior to that in in just you know couching it in gratitude. I think that this is probably clear, but I will I will make it abundantly clear that it will never work. If you are operating in a pretense of gratitude, like, so when you say couching in gratitude, you're not at all saying you need to find a way to make it seem grateful. You're saying from your oh, heart, God. you need, right. You need, you need from your heart to be operating in gratitude. And mm. I think sometimes that can be hard. Sometimes you can well, feel yeah. under the pressure. Say, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, then you are walking in a desert. Yeah. Mm. So you need, you need time, you need time, you need time with the Lord and ask him to grow that in you. Mm. Like whatever is working as a barrier uh, between you, because, you know, here's, here's the curriculum that the Lord has you on, that you're dependent upon other people to do the work that you, that you feel called to, that you, that you might love even, Mm. but you have been put in this curriculum the Lord has you in it. And maybe, maybe it's that one thing that you take with you to the rest of your life that you cultivate gratitude for others. Maybe that's all you take from this season and, mm, um, mm. and it would be worth it. If you are not operating with a spirit of gratitude, let that be between you and the Lord and get out of the desert. It comes, it circles get back to that sense of entitlement. Yeah, and it how, does. How and that's, that nothing, that's nothing but a desert, too. Yeah. And we've shared that we believe that the Lord has more going on in this season than just an exchange of funds, right? right. It is about formation exactly. and growth and dependence mm-hmm. and, and beauty. And community. Mm-hmm. And, and community. Factory, uh, communication. Yeah. yeah. You mm. take those four things and you can repeat them over and over again. I love the quote from... Um, 
John Piper, that says, at this moment, the Lord is doing 10,000 things of which you know three. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. True. And that's living by faith. That's what it means to live by faith, that I believe that God is doing 10,000 things. And I know of three of them. Right. So there might be some listeners, last question for you, Barb. There might be some listeners who feel like, well, that's great. Like you guys are great. You're, you're a good writer. You've, you've spent so much time doing this, but I'm I'm not a good writer or I'm not a good communicator. That's a, a skill I haven't learned. What are some some small baby steps, some action steps that anybody can take now to start making themselves a better communicator? You know, I like what Jill Briscoe says. She goes, write badly until you can write goodly. <laughs> awesome. Um, all, it, all it is, is, is it's, a, it's practice. Yeah. It's discipline of doing it. You know, if you don't, if you're not good at it, then you probably don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so then you probably don't do it. Mm-hmm. And so I would say a baby step would be, you know, maybe it's like my five liner. Mm, like just write, just write three lines every day. Yeah. And, and nobody's looking over your shoulder so they could, you know, they don't have to sound good. Right. But just write three lines every day. Develop the um, habit. Yeah. And then sometimes if I don't have anything to say, I'll find a quote that I liked in a book that I'm reading and I copy that quote into the journal mm, yeah. just because the act of writing makes me a better writer. Mm. You know, the other thing that is really important is to say what you write. Oh, this is so important. What you write is not your identity. Mm. It's a project. Mm. Like, uh, like I love my book that I, that I wrote only because it's my first book and it's like my baby. And I love that book, (laughs) but it's not me. It's a favorite project. Yeah. Right. It's, and so sometimes people can't ship things like they can't get it written. They can't get it sent. It sits in their in their box or their journal or whatever mm-hmm. because they think that it's their identity. Mm. It's who I am. Mm. And if people don't like it, then they're rejecting me. Right. Mm. Right. And the truth is, it's a project. Yeah. If they reject it, they might just not have the time or they just right. might not be in a mental space to read it. Right. It's not you they're right. rejecting. Right. You know? Yeah. And I also think it's worth saying, I mean, obviously we think communication is important. We've devoted an episode or I mean, you know, probably several over the yeah. course of the podcast to this topic. But it is also important to say, you know, in kind of going back to what you said about just start writing, it doesn't have to be great, like write bad until mm-hmm. you write good. Mm-hmm. The funding, the Lord's like work is not going to, it's not like the Lord is going to call you th- to this and then, you know, have you partner with people and then it all comes down to your writing. Your writing and your communication has to be like rock solid, right? Like you should strive to be a good communicator because it's loving people uh, because there's there's just so much good and beauty that comes through that communication. But it's not, but you're not under the weight of you better be a good communicator or he's done with you, you know? So it's a worthy pursuit. Yeah. One of my favorite authors, I love this author and I'm not going to tell you who it is because it's a bad story. Um, 
Um, I love this author. I bought everything that she wrote. And then I even went to go see her when she was speaking at a local church. And I waited in a long line. And when I got up to have her sign my book, she was really rude. Mm. Oh. And my heart just sank. Yeah. And, And I haven't read anything from her since. Yeah. You know, so it is still you that they are supporting. Yeah. And not what you tell them in your newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but they don't know that until you communicate with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, okay. I don't think Andy intended to mislead you, but we do actually have one more question and it's our standard question. (laughs) Um, Okay. So this is our final question before we sign off, but um, we do ask everyone. So Barb, you have $10,000 that you have to give away today. You have five seconds to decide who or what do you give it to? Where God is at work. Mm. (laughs) If God is at work there, then I will put, everything I've got behind it. Mm-hmm. But if I can't see where God is working, then I'm not going to put my money there. Mm. Mm. I'm curious, what are some of the ways that you see God at work or what are some of the avenues by which you have insight into, into that? Tangibly, if I see somebody respond to the gospel, sure. if I see circumstances line up so that God's agenda can go forward. If I know my Bible enough to see it being lived out somehow, whether that's in a servant role, somebody serving or somebody, you know, it might not, I might not see it, but I know God's word talks about it enough and I see it in action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if I see love being shown. So, so I would, I would look for evidence of God at work and Mm. I would put all $10,000 behind it. Mm. Cool. I love how your response really goes back to what you were encouraging people towards just in being very mindful of what's going on around them, being watchful, being intentional Mm -hmm. with that. Very cool. Great. Thank you for distilling what I know is years and years and years (laughs) of experience to give some practical tools. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Barb. We are, we are confident that this will be helpful and we are so grateful for your time. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I I pray now that God will bless these efforts. Mm. God will bless you guys for being conduits and that he will bless our uh, anybody that is standing for him and wanting his word and his life to be shared with um with others who have no other way to to receive it. Mm. Um I pray that that these words would bless them. Mm. Amen. May it be so. It's Not About the Money is presented by Provisio Fundraising Solutions. Provisio equips support-based workers with flexible training, practical resources, and one-on-one coaching. Find out more at provisiofundraising.com.